church this morning. I am um, grateful and also excited to introduce to you my brother in Christ, and uh, hopefully we'll be friends and continue to grow in friendship, Jaber Mohammed. I'm not going to say too much about his background because it's a part of his story. Uh, he challenged and blessed our morning service this morning, and I know that you will be blessed as well. So let's give our friend and brother Jaber a nice, warm, new community welcome. Thank you. So, so I'm pumped to be here. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right to work. Are you with me? Yep. All right. Father God, I thank you for the cross. I thank you, Jesus, for finding a way so we can live with you forever. Father God, I'm so, my heart is heavy this week of what happened in our universe of bombing in Boston from Texas to earthquakes in our world. Father, I pray that we will be people out of, after your own heart. I pray especially tonight my heart is burdened for American churches that they will truly know you. The dangerous place in the universe to be a Christian is not in the Middle East. It's not in Asia or India. It's in United States of America because we're so comfortable here, Lord. So I pray that you encourage us. I pray that we truly examine our hearts and to see whether we are in the faith. Truly, help us to examine our hearts, not just outwardly in public, we acknowledge and confess that we know you, but deep down in our heart, you are not the king of kings, you are not the Lord of lords. Help me whatever comes in my mouth that is not a human wisdom or my words, but help me to say your word, to preach nothing that does not come from you. I will pray always in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to turn your phones to the book of Titus. Um, turn your phones to the book of Titus. You're going to find it after the book of 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11 through the 15th. Paul is writing and saying this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. 
These then are the two things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. I'm so excited for this sermon. I, I met with Pastor Peter last week in Starbucks, and as we were talking, and he said, share from your heart. And I was struggling, Lord, what, do you, what should I preach on? I was thinking of preaching about repentance and the cost of following Jesus. I was chatting last week with my, one of my brother-in-law, Jordan, and he was telling me about his grandfather, who became later years in his life, became a follower of Jesus Christ, and he was a wealthy businessman, and he was so passionate that he wanted to preach about Jesus. And he traveled, and he spoke in more than 40 countries and all over the U.S. He was an evangelist. And he died when he was 86, I believe, and in the end of his, of his age, he was writing a book. And he entitled that book, Grace, Our Death, Grace. He was a man whom I did not have the privilege to meet on this side of the earth, but I'm so excited to meet him on the other side of the earth. And I stole the title from my wife's grandpa's book, Grace or Disgrace. Starting in verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Something went terribly wrong in our universe. When God created the world, he, he gave a beautiful world to Adam and Eve. And he said, Adam, you have a choice to choose. I didn't make you like a robot. You push a button. I push a button. You obey me. I made you my image. Therefore, you have a choice. Man had a choice to sin, friends. And when Adam sinned, he turned his back against God and they went their way instead of God's ways. But God still loved mankind. God wanted a relationship with his children that he created. He wanted a new community without sin. And there he promised that he would send his beloved son to die in a horrible death. So people like you People like me can live with him forever. God says, where I live, you also will live. So God found a path. God found a way when there seemed to be no way. He chose his son to die in a cross, in a Roman cross for you and me. And I believe God loved each one of you and I believe that if you were the only person on the face of this earth, gee, God will still send his son to die for you because he loves you. Because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So God can restore what Adam broke to fix everything through his beloved son, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus comes. As Paul tells us, he offers us that salvation. He offers us that grace. Please know 
that it was not the Romans who crucified him. It was you. You and you put Jesus' nails in his hands. Even this week, yesterday when you chose to sin, when you chose to go against God, you put him in the nails again. Please remember, when we go against God, it's your choice, your decision. Therefore, it was us who put him on the cross. And he said, I'm willing, I'm going to come and suffer and die for you so you can have eternal life. I'm going to take the sin away. Muhammad, the prophet of Islam where I grew up in Oman, never claimed to be God. Buddha, in the end of his life, he said, I'm still searching for the truth. But the greatest word in our universe are this. When Jesus said 2,000 years ago, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the only way to God. Isn't this good news, friends? This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, his beloved son. He said, where I live, you also should live. What Adam destroyed, I will fix through my son, putting nails to him in the cross. And when you hear things like, God loves you, Jesus died for you, you can go to heaven through Jesus. Some of us have no idea what that means. Some of us, we don't even understand that we've been hearing it all our lives. We don't even understand what that really means. My greatest passion, my greatest joy in this universe, you know what? Guess what it is? It's to talk about Jesus. That's what keeps me going in the morning. I wake up, kiss my beautiful wife, whom I'm thankful I love you, sweetie. And to get up and to preach nothing but Jesus, him being crucified for us. Friends, as I said in my prayer, the dangerous place in the world to be a Christian is in America. Because we are so comfortable. Because we have everything we need. We have the nice cars. We have the nice houses. We have the vacations home. We are good. So you say, when preachers tell you, you have a problem, you need Jesus, you say, what do I need to do? We say, come, receive Christ. And you say, okay, I'm going to go to heaven, so I'm going to do that. When you come to Christ, you become the easy-goingism. I just made up a word. (laughs) You become so comfortable, you come to church, you bring your Bible. And then you go home, you just put your Bible somewhere, you don't even pray, you don't even read your word. Where is your greatest passion, your greatest desire? Is it to please God or is it to please men in this world? That's why it's the greatest difficulty place to be in America as a, as a Christian. I came to America eight years ago. I grew up in a home in the Middle East youngest of 11 children in my family. My father had two wives at the same time. Now, don't worry, honey, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) My father had two wives at the same time because if you grew up as a Muslim, Muslim men are allowed to have up to four wives at the same time. My father had two wives. And I grew up in a broken home. 
a home where the Prince of Peace, Jesus, did not exist. And friends, when Jesus does not exist in your heart, in your home, there is no peace. I don't care how wealthy you are, I don't care how powerful you are, there will be no peace apart from Jesus. My father in the Middle East sent me to a school called Madrasa, which is an Islamic school. It was there I was taught to hate the Jewish and the Christians as an enemy of Muslims and Islam. It was there as a seven years old boy and they told me, Jaber, welcome to the world and you have enemies. Why do we have enemies? Because Christians and Jewish do not accept Prophet Muhammad as a messenger from God. Therefore, they're infidels and we must fight them. There are two kinds of Muslims today in the world. In the beginning when Muhammad opened his ministry, public and he told them to accept everybody, welcome everybody, love everyone. But when it came to the Jewish and Christians, because Muhammad sent his followers through wars to spread Islam, the Jewish says, no Muhammad, we are waiting for our prophet. So what they did, they rejected Jesus' teaching, Muhammad's teaching, excuse me. And when it came to the Christians, they said, we have our prophet Jesus. We can't accept your message. And it was there when Muhammad proclaimed in Arabic and said, It was there when Muhammad says, fight those infidels who do not believe in Allah until the last day. I believe what happened just a few days ago in Boston, it was because of that. But you said, Jabir, I live in communities where Muslims are peaceful. Yes. Because those Muslims believe in Muhammad's first word, be kind and accept everybody. We call them peaceful because Islam is a missionary religion. This, in your neighborhood, they come and build mosques, and, and they're wonderful, kind people. Actually, some Muslims shame us. I mean, seeing a Christians can shame us because Muslims are living better lives than that. Okay? Muslims are lost. Why? Because they do not know Jesus. Because they do not understand the Christ of Christianity that you are learning about now. After my mom's death, when I was 12 years old, one of my brother came to America. He was not a religious man. He didn't go to the Islamic school that I went to. He had some friends and he came to America. And when I was 15, he said, Jaber, why don't you come visit me in America? And at that time, I was going, just I was depressed. I was going through life difficulty. My mom passed away and I just was lost. And I would watch American movies with my friends. I would do two things. I would play video games all night, play soccer, watch American movies, especially in Hollywood movies where women are wearing one piece or hardly naked. I was, I, I was 15 with my boys. We talk about, you know, we grew up in a society where men and women are so separated. My, my three sisters, they were covering only their eyes showing. 
And we grew up in a very dark place because of Islam, especially for women. And so I was excited about America. I was watching TV and I was like, wow, they show their hair. Wow, they're so naked on the beach. I'm going to go to America. <laughs> and of course, I didn't tell that to my father. I just told my friends whom I was playing soccer with. You know, when you're 15, your hormones are coming. Um, and when you don't have Jesus to help you, you're lost. Um, so I told my brother that I'm going to come to America. I asked my father, can I go to America? And my father looks at me as an idiot. He said, no, you're not going to America. And I said, why? He did not trust my brother. He, he knew he was wild. He was breaking cars, slamming cars over there in the Middle East. He didn't trust them at all. He said, you're still 15. You're not going to America. Now, I learned to get my way through breaking doors, slamming doors, being mad at my father. That's because I learned from my older brothers. I have eight older brothers. If they didn't get their way, my dad, they get mad at my dad. Don't do it, okay? Don't go home and talk, tell your mom and dad I need to, to go somewhere. And if they say no, you just slam doors. That's not what Jesus do, okay? Um, it took my father two years to finally allow me to come to America. And when I was 17, it was my happiest day I was coming to America. I was so proud for my brothers. Hey, I'm going to America. I'm not going to watch just movies with uh, girls in America wearing a bikini, but I'm going to see it in real life. Um, boys being boys. I was dumb. I came to America. I was shocked by America. I was devastated by America. I opened the fridge in my brother's apartment. There was nothing but wine, alcohol, beer, whatever. And I, didn't, I couldn't read English, so I didn't know what that was. And I told my brother, what is this? And he said, this is khamar, which means alcohol in Arabic. And I said, this is haram, which means forbidden. And he said, this is America. It's a free country. You do what you want to do here. But make sure you don't tell my family in Oman. Because if he was my older brother, I didn't dare say anything to him. And as weeks passed, he sent me to high school to learn the language since he said, Jabir, you're not doing much in Oman. Go and learn some English. And I remember going, taking ESL classes with a lot of Mexican Spanish students taking ESL classes. And I come home one day and I tell my brother, hello, como estas? Muy bien. He goes, what's that? And I said, English. And he said, that's not English. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? We are learning that with my friends. I'm going to American school. He said, that's Spanish. <laughs> so he told me, he fixed my issue, so I went back and tried to learn English. <laughs> and some weeks passed, he took me to a place where international students meet Americans. And it was, I met their family that changed my life forever. But it did not start out well. He told the family that Jaber wants to come to move to your house so he can learn more about Christianity. That was what we call a lie. <laughs> I did not know about it, even. And he said, Jaber, it will be good for you to move there so you can learn the language, the English. And he used the word Christianity so he knew they were Christian and they're going to be nice and kind. <laughs> 
and take me in. And he wanted me to get out of his apartment for many reasons. Few is that he wanted me to learn the language. Two is he wanted to bring his naked woman and do whatever he needs to do in America. You got the point. Don't picture anything, though. Um, as I moved into this family, <laughs> she was amazing. And she brought me a children's Bible studies with pictures on it about Jesus, the cross, about uh, Genesis, the flood, the story, Noah, and the ark. Remember Arky, Arky, Noah's big boat with pictures on it? So I was learning about all that, and I thought that was so stupid. I hated Jesus. I hated it. It didn't make sense. She goes, God is three in one. I said, no, it's not. It didn't make sense to me. But I told her, because I was living in their house, I, I told her everything nice and kind. I said, oh, your Jesus is so good. Your Bible is good. One thing I hated, though, I hated waking up in the early in the morning to go to church. You're blessed. You have an 11 a.m. service, so that's good. I hated that. I told my brother, I don't like this. It's too much of Jesus talk here. I don't like it. I'm, I don't, I'm not a Jesus guy. I'm a Muslim. <laughs> and... So my brother, my older brother, said, what if you tell them that you became a Christian? Hopefully they will leave you alone. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, brother? He said, sounds like they want to convert you to Christianity. You're a Muslim, so tell them you became a Christian and they, you will never go to church again or do Bible study or learn about Jesus' stuff. And I said, oh, you're so smart, brother. I didn't know that. <laughs> and he said, of course, I'm your older brother. I told this family that I wanted to receive Jesus. And they thought I was a Christian. And every Sunday morning, she would come and wake me up to go to church, which I hated, didn't tell her that. And one Sunday she came in, knocked my door, and I said, hi. She said, church time. I said, no, it's not. It's, uh, I'm a Christian like you guys. I don't need to go to church. And she said, what do you mean? I said, no, I received Jesus. I'm now Muslim Christian, fake. And she said, no. I said, why? She said, no, when you become a Christian, you need to grow in your relationship with God. And I said, what that means? She said, that means you read your Bible more, you go to church, so you can get to know Jesus better. I was like, wow. Um, I called my brother and told him that you were an idiot. Your plan did not work. I lived with them after one year, so I couldn't get out of going to church. So I stayed up going to church. I, I did what they wanted me to do. And uh, my journey began with Christ is that I was amazed at their love for this man named Jesus. They weren't just professing Christians. They weren't just like so many thousands of Americans going to church, oh, I love Jesus, hallelujah, but Jesus is not the king of your life. They were truly Christians, meaning they will pray, meaning they were not practicing sin. They were living for Jesus and Him being crucified. And I saw love in their home, and I was in awe. I come from a broken home. I was like, what's the difference between you and guys? And the answer was, we have Jesus. And I still did not understand what that meant. One year later, I began praying, and I said, Oh, Lord, 
Speak to me if you're real. Show me the way. Which way is right? Until later on, I began reading the Bible. I began praying. I began seeking with all my heart. I wanted to know the truth. Until two years passed, I was living a lie. In the end of two years, I knew that Christ of Christianity is real. I knew in faith that he is God and he is the only way. I took his message to heart. I believed in him. But I thought, Christ is not for me. Why? Because I thought I was not good enough. I thought Jesus loves you, he loves you and you, but not for me. Why? Because I'm bad. I have sinned, I lied, I cheated, I had bad thoughts. Christ is not for me. He's God, he's real, he's for you guys, but not for me. I struggled with God with forgiveness. Until one day, July of 2007, I went to a vacation with this family. In my hotel room, I was watching TV, and there a man came up preaching. It was black and white, and he preached about love and faith and forgiveness. I did not know this man. I never heard of this man, but that man was Billy Graham. He preached a simple message that made sense to this Muslim kid in the hotel room. He preached about love and forgiveness and repentance of sin and turning away from sin. It was there that I gave my heart to Jesus and I said, in faith, I believe that you love me and I want to worship you from now on. I went home later on. It took me three months to tell this family I wanted to go somewhere else to begin a relationship with Jesus, not tell this family that I lied, I cheated. Until I told them that I lied to you. I cheated. I did not know Jesus. And she cried in tears and she said, Jabal, I am so sorry that you've been through that. I was so mad. I was so angry. I was like, I lied. I cheated. I resisted. Why do you so easily forgive me? I was mad at that. I wanted revenge. And she said simply, because Christ has forgiven me. Christ has forgiven me so I can forgive. I was in awe. And everything Jesus taught, he said, all men will forgive you because of me, came true. The Bible made sense at that moment to me. I told the pastor, I told here and there, and people forgive me. And my brother found out, oh boy, that wasn't good. And he threatened to kill me, rip my passport, and take me back to the Middle East. It was very shameful. It was a very difficult time. But I knew Christ of Christianity was real, and I wanted to worship him all the way. My difficult was I did not wanted Christianity at some point to be true because of the cost of following Jesus is so great and low. don't let anybody tell you so easy to become a Christian come and receive Christ and you're saved it's, everything is easy no 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 Christianity it's so hard because Christ has a challenge for us And I believe young people in America, they want a challenge. They want something hard and tough. All right, Jesus says, come to me and I'll challenge you. I told you, deny yourself and pick up a cross daily and follow me. Don't you want a challenge? Come to Christ. Young people want a challenge. 
They want something hard. They want something tough. Christ says, come to me, deny yourself, deny your sin, deny your pleasure, and come worship me. Can you do that? Can you do that? Christ says, Jabir, if you must follow me, you must not just give up your sin. You must give up your family if they say no to me. I had two choices. One is to receive Jesus and, in a sense, forget about my family. But two, I choose my family and leave Christ behind me. I struggled with that. I prayed and I, and I prayed and I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to worship you whatever it takes. And after I surrendered my life to Christ, I was reading a great commission. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. I, I felt compelled and I felt urged. I felt this resistance. I wanted to preach the gospel. God put it in my heart. It was so my greatest passion, my greatest desire. And I said, no. I said, I'm going to be a Sunday Christian, meaning I'm going to go to church, have a Christian family, but I'm not going to preach about Jesus. I said, Lord, you're dialing a wrong number. It's not me. Don't you see I was not educated? Don't you see that I didn't really go to school? Choose somebody else. I'm not good enough. Until three months later, as I wrestled with, with God's word, until Paul spoke to me, knocked me down, and I was reading one morning, and Paul says, Woe to me if I do not preach Christ and him being crucified. Woe to me. It was there that I wept. And remember, I grew up in a religious home. I went to Islamic school. It was there that I was learned to be tough and mean. I, I have still few scars in my back because of Islam, because if I failed to memorize the Quran, the harshness that you would get, the abuse you would get. And that morning, it felt so good to weep with Jesus. I said, Lord, I am all the way in. Not half the way in, but all the way in. And the question for you this morning, are you all the way in or are you half the way in? Young people find it difficult to say the little word, no. When it comes to sin, when it comes to sex, when it comes to pleasure, we have thousands of people in America, they go to church claiming to know Jesus, but their hearts is far away. They claim to know him. But Jesus has a message in my challenge for you to examine your heart. Do you truly know Christ? Christ of Christianity offers us a challenge this morning, young people. Throughout Genesis to Revelations, he offers us a challenge of cost of following Jesus. He said a shocking statement in Matthew 7, one of the verses that I love. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Money will come to me on that day, saying, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. In America, we have a saying you know, as an evangelist, go and say, come and receive Christ and make him your savior. Jesus says, even if you call me Lord and your action does not show, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Christ offers us a challenge 
For some of us, we take his grace and we make it disgrace. We receive Christ. We say, okay, I'm a Christian now. I believe in Jesus, but we are living in sin. When other people see you, who do they see? Do they see Christ in you or do they see rebellions and see pride in you? My father, my eight brothers may not become a Christian because of you, because of you. They see your life. It doesn't show that you're bearing the fruit of Christ. Jesus says, the whole universe will know me through your fruit. What are the fruit? Fruit of love and joy and peace and self-control. Do you have that, Christians? Do you have that? Some of you are living in a false paradise. You think you're saved. You think you know Jesus. But you're truly down deep down in your heart. And some of you will die. We might not make it to heaven. Why? Because you may not know Christ in you. What's your greatest passion, your greatest desire? Is it sin? Is it Jesus? If you love sin, you hate Jesus. If you love Jesus, you hate sin. Those two do not go together. But in American churches, we don't preach about that. I refuse to lie to any one of you. Because when I stand before God one day, I don't want your blood to be on me. My job is to convert no one this morning. My job is to tell you the truth. And your job is to make a decision, friends. Simple as that. My job is not to convert anyone. My job is to tell you the truth and pleading with you that you make the right decision. Do you truly know Christ? Are you living in a false paradise? Titus tells us, Paul tells us, this grace, this salvation, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. One of the gifts, we have the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, the true Christians, I'm going to say that the true Christian because everybody says they're Christian in America, okay? The true Christians have the God, the Holy Spirit living in them. When we come to sin, when we come to folly, the Holy Spirit help us to resist that. No, temptation is not a sin. The Bible says Jesus was tempted. It's when we give in to temptation. We may all be tempted, but you give in easily. There are some of you, you go to bars and nightclubs and you go people where they drink. You know you stumble. You shouldn't even go there. You should examine yourselves where your weakness and then you don't go there. Secondly, are you sharing Christ if you truly know him? Their few seats are empty in the front. Why? Why didn't you invite someone to church this morning? Your neighbor, don't you have neighbors? Oh, you live in Mars. Your community groups, your leaders. Why the churches are empty? That's because we lack faith. Because we want to come to church, we check Mark, oh, I went to church, but your neighbors, if you truly know Jesus, if you truly know the Christ and him being crucified, you will do anything to tell your family. You will do anything to tell your friend. You tell them, will do anything because you do not want them to be lost, friends. Does this make sense? Yes. I want you to know Christ and him being crucified fully all the way in, not half the way in. Are you sharing the gospel? Two weeks ago, excuse me, one week ago, I received 
an email from my mother-in-law. And she said, Jabir, there's a family. She told us the story in Rockford, Illinois. There's a Muslim family. Um, His daughter became a Christian after college. And the daughter did not tell the father for a few years. And, And the father had an arranged marriage from Palestine, from a Muslim man. She became a Christian. Her father didn't know that. And that was her first time to say no to her father. And when the father went and searched her room and she found a Bible, he was a devout Muslim, and when she came home, he threw the Bible at her face and kicked his daughter out. They haven't seen each other for 18 years. They're living in the U.S. because of the cost of following Jesus. So my mother's, mother-in-law said, do you want to go meet this, the father? I was like, wow, 18 years, long time. I don't know what he's going to do to me. <laughs> um, and then I prayed about it, and I felt like I should do that. But I was, I was little being a chicken, so I didn't want to go alone. So I said, I told my brother-in-law, Khan, and I said, Khan, would you want to go with me? So just in case, if you throw something, you'll be in the front and I'll be in the back. Uh, and Khan goes, whoa. And I said, yeah, that's the cost of following Jesus, baby. <laughs> and so he came with him. He came with me, and I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to take an Arabic Bible with him. So I took him and gave him a Bible, and I talked with him. And I said, I shared the gospel with him. And I said, friend, what keeps stopping you from coming to Christ? And he said, I don't have enough faith. I said, we don't need big faith. We need that faith as a mustard seed. I explained to him the scripture. And he said, would you pray to with me? I was shocked. I said, Khan, let's do this. And Khan and I pray with him. And we get in our car, drive home as victorious. And Khan looks at me. He said, man, we were Paul and Barnabas today. <laughs> <laughs> and the joy of preaching the gospel, my friends. In faith, we step up. In closing, I want to share with you the Boston story. In Boston, many of you heard the story of what happened. The two Muslims, and the older one was 26, and he came to America at the age of 20, and he said, I don't understand Americans. I didn't have even a single friend. Some of you have a friend that needs to hear about Jesus, about repentance, about faith. Will you step up in faith and challenge and share the gospel? You might prevent another bomb in your neighborhood. I grew up in a broken home with violence and hatred. I came to America. If that family didn't share the love of Christ with me, I don't know where I will be. Probably come and bomb the city, maybe. You might prevent that. You have the gospel in your hand. I'll leave you with my father-in-law's favorite verse in 2 Corinthians. It says, examine yourselves. See yourself if you're in the faith unless you fail the test. Examine your heart. I want you to get up with me. Stand up with me. Christ offers us a challenge this morning. 
Christ offers us an incredible challenge where he wants us to honor him, acknowledge him publicly. There's some of you, the Holy Spirit is speaking in you and say you, your lifestyle has been wrong. So I want to challenge you to come forward. I want to pray with you. If you feel your faith is so weak, if you feel like you can't move forward, I want you to come in faith. Come forward. I'm going to pray with you. Some of you may need to first time to receive Christ of Christianity. Don't let the pride stop you. you. Some of you are speaking. There is a war in you. Say, I don't want to go. Jesus says, if you fail to confess me in public, you're not worthy of me. And in the church, we cannot do that. <laughs> you will never can do it elsewhere. So in, as brothers and sisters, I want to choose to say, come forward. If you need prayers, if you say, I need Christ, I, I want to know Christ, you need prayer, come forward, I want to pray with you. Not every Sunday you bring a Muslim to your church, okay? So come on in, I want to pray with you here. As the music prays, my challenge, my greatest, is I want you to know Christ and Him being crucified. If you don't know Christ, if you perhaps, in quote, know Christ and you're in sin, you come forward. You come, friends, as the music leads. And I feel compelled to pray with you, for you. You're not alone in the journey. And living the Christian life is not easy, so you cannot do it alone. You need community. You need friends to help you to walk, to strengthen you when you need it. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for this new community church that they want to know you deeper. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that nothing stops them. I pray that they will not be ashamed of the gospel. I pray that they will come forward and say yes to Jesus and no to sin. And they will worship you and they will honor you. Holy Spirit, come and examine our hearts and help us to be honest with ourselves. If we truly know you, if we truly know that we are going to heaven. Help us, Lord Jesus. I pray for this community. I pray for Pastor Peter as the weeks he preaches the gospel that he will make it clear as he does in his all messages that preach about love. And I pray for those people that they will serve you and that they will love you, that they will truly be an example, be a light in a dark universe. Because my family in the Muslim world, they might come to faith because of them. So I pray with them, Holy Spirit, that you be with them, Lord Jesus, as they step up in faith Maybe this week, maybe this morning, next week, talk to a neighbor, talk to the pastor as they examine themselves whether they're in Christ or not. Help us search our hearts, Lord Jesus. Repentance is a gift that only Jesus can give. I pray that they will change their behavior and live like you for the rest of our life until we meet you on face to face on that beautiful day, which I cannot wait. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a song that reminds me that you give and take away. And I'm so blessed for my beautiful wife, my two brothers-in-law, my mom and dad, American family, that they love you truly. Thank you that you give and take away. And I'm so blessed to have my beautiful wife. Thank you. And I pray for this congregation that they will truly know you and the power of your resurrection from the dead. And Jesus' good name, we will always pray. Amen. May the world see our community. May the world see our family. May the world see how we live 
together how we love one another how we forgive one another how we care for each other may the world see the gospel in our life together and may the world hear the good news may the world see our good deeds and praise our father in heaven and may we be men and women who carry the good news in earthen vessels may we be men and women who will live out our lives and make your name big make your fame huge may we glorify magnify your name in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and all god's people said and all god's people said amen <laughs>